The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. I am so happy you're listening today. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I'm Sandy Scarlatta, and I have been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. As we head into a new year, here's some food for thought. How many times have you gotten excited to make your New Year's resolutions only to abandon them? It's okay, you're not alone. Statistics show that roughly 50% of the population sets New Year's resolutions, and yet the majority of those give up within the first 30 to 45 days. In fact, 80% of people who make New Year's resolutions will abandon them during the month of February. I want more than anything for you to succeed in 2023 and have five tips to share with you. One, create a detailed plan on how you're going to ensure that you follow through and take action. Two, get an accountability partner. Three, Attach your emotions to the goals. What I mean by that is, how will achieving them make you feel? Four, set up an app to track your goals or set up an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action. And lastly, five, celebrate your wins. This is so important because when you celebrate it and give yourself a pat on the back, what you're doing is you're reinforcing that positive behavior and you're more likely to continue doing it. So thank you so much for listening today. And don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Today's episode is amazing and I am so grateful for you. Enjoy the show. Erin Golub, it's such an honor to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for being here today. I just, I'm truly, truly feel so privileged to have yeah, you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Super excited to reconnect and and share with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a brief phone call, which was more business related. And I was like, I want to have you on my podcast because I love your story. I don't know all of the story off the top of my head, but just to give the the listeners a brief intro, you were the very first um, blind 
kicker to play in a D1 uh, Division One college football game. Yeah. So my quick kind of background and, and backstory. So I was actually a long snapper, um, but similar. Long <laughs> similar. Support. So I'm okay. I'm, re- I'm legally blind. Right. That's before they start. Okay. Got it. Right. Yeah. No. No problem. I'm legally blind. So no vision in my right eye. Very limited in my left. Played football at Tulane. Became the first legally blind Division One athlete to play in a game. Was named a team captain, went on to become an NFL free agent, and now I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker. Yeah, that's incredible. So, and what you've accomplished just shows and demonstrates that anything is possible when you put your mind to it. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people take the adversities in their life and the challenges that they're facing and say that they happen to them. They say that they're victims. And that's not true. You know, the challenges that we're going through happen for us for a reason, for us to learn, for us to grow, for us to get better. You know, I'm a strong believer that I'm so thankful and so grateful that I was born legally blind because it's allowed me to do so many incredible things, meet so many amazing people, and not only have incredible relationships, but build the businesses that I've built, become the athlete that I became. Um, And because of that, I'm thankful. And when you can look at your adversities from that lens of it happening for you, I think a lot of things in your life can change. Mm. Thank you for, for sharing that with the audience, because I say it all the time, that things happen for you, not to you. And I think that for some, depending on the situation, they have a hard time seeing the other side of that. So it's great to have guests like you on that truly have had major adversities to work through in your life. So people, you, you can accomplish things that you put your mind to and you set out to do. So absolutely, it's really great. So you were born legally blind. Correct. Okay. So have, so in terms of, so you're, you're fully blind in one eye and you have impaired vision in the other. Yes. What, what, what has that been like for you and, and how much can you see, can you see shadows? Can you see like, like what is the extent of the blindness? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can see you there on the screen if there's something on your shirt, no idea what it says. If they're, you know, I can't tell you what color your eyes are. You know, even if there's a document in front of you right now, I couldn't read it. You know, I would have to get really close to my computer. I would have to blow it up on my end. Um, things like that. You know, when I look at my phone, you know, you'll see me around, you know, texting like this, essentially. That's how I see it. Um, Got it. So okay. It's not that I, I can't see you there, but it's, you know, the details or, or the small things, you know, uh, things like crossing the street is definitely a very difficult task for me. <laughs> you know, the little things that most people don't think of. Yeah, sure. No. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because my mom is experiencing the same thing right now. Um, and she's 82 years old and, and, and it's, let, let, what, what do you think about this? Because, because we don't know what we don't know. Is it easier to be born this way or to have to suddenly adjust to something like that? You know, even for me, it's a tough question because I don't know what it's like having to adjust to something like that. I only know right. from my perspective of being born with it. But, you know, I think if I were to think about it deeply, I would say I'd rather be born with it because I don't know anything different. Yes, I do believe that within my lifetime in 10, 15 years from now, there will be technology, maybe not to give me 100% of my vision, but I do believe in the next 10, 15, 20 years, there will be yeah. technology to greatly increase my increase my vision now. That's not feasible at the moment, but I'm 26 years old. I think by the time I'm 50, that will probably be a thing. 
Um, yeah. But like I said, you know, I wouldn't go back to birth and change it if I could for, you know, the life that I've lived so far. Obviously, if that opportunity presents itself, I would take advantage of it going forward. But I think it's probably easier to be born with it because I know nothing different. Now, I can't truly speak to what it's like to lose it later on in life, but I know I know nothing different. It's This is my normal. Right. No, that totally makes sense. And because we don't know what we don't know, like I just yeah. said. Yeah. So what was it like growing up for you? Because I would imagine as an adult, you know, people are more, you know, forgiving of others sometimes. What was it like on the playground? I mean, did you have any trouble with other children or were they, or were they kind to you? Yeah. You know, I think similar to any other kid, there are definitely challenges. You know, thankfully I found a great group of friends and and people and environment that supported me and embraced me. But like everyone out there, there were always challenges of, you know, struggling with being legally blind or being picked last for tons of different sports and, and finding my groove in my niche within, within those areas. So, you know, yeah, there were definitely challenges in that realm growing up, but, you know, it was finding where could I fit in the best? What could I do? You know, how could I interact? Well, well, you're, that, that's great to hear. And I'm glad that, that you found that group of people, because I know for me, I was bullied so badly growing up just because people didn't like my nose. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm always curious because I experience things in a very different way um, and without any limitations, right? And, uh, and I know even in today's world, you know, kids can be, can be brutal to one another. So that, that's really awesome. So, so I would imagine that you, you had growing up with that support system and your family, they were always telling you, you can do it. You can do it. Right. What was the best advice you received to help you really overcome some of these challenges that you yeah, faced? You know- Within my family environment, they were all very supportive all the time. No one would ever push me to, you know, do something that was kind of on my own to push myself, but people would be there to support me in any way they couldn't. So I don't know if there's a specific piece of advice, um, but I think, for example, when I was starting to really focus on football and specifically long snapping and getting good at it. I would go to school every single morning at 5 a.m. in practice. I would go to school or not school, but a field on the weekends, you know, all the time in practice. And, you know, my dad or my mom never came to me the night before and said, hey, you know, are are you going tomorrow? Do you want me to take you? But every single time I asked someone to take me in the morning, they would drive me there. You know, my dad would go catch my snaps pretty much every single morning because he knew that, you know, yeah, I'm sure he hated getting up that early. And I commend him (laughs) for that. I can't believe that my parents would do that. But they understood if I was willing to put in the time and effort, they would be there to support me because it would teach me lifelong lessons. Lessons It would help me out in so many different ways. And you know, it paid off. It got me to an incredible college, got me to play you know, an, an, an incredible athletic career um, and, and build so many amazing relationships. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But that's definitely an, a powerful lesson and, and things that I learned along the way. Mm, wow. So why football? What was it? I mean, you could have, if you could, you could have picked so many things, right? Why football? What, what was it about yeah. football that you're like, oh, I want to be a football player? <laughs> yeah. I mean, two reasons. First off, I tried every single sport under the sun growing up. Terrible at most of them. You know, baseball, bad at, basketball, bad at, all, all of them. And I always enjoyed watching football. And I realized in the beginning, you know, could I be a quarterback and throw the ball 50 yards downfield to 
you know, a receiver that I could find and see? No, I couldn't. But in the beginning, it was, okay, let's be an offensive defensive lineman. Because in that position, it was about when the ball gets snapped, you hit the person in the other color jersey. And that was it. And I could do that. And that's right. what I was, you know, I wasn't amazing at it, but I could do that. And then eventually it turned into how can I actually get playing time? How can I get good? How can I really impact the team and play at a high level? And I found long snapping. And I realized that if I got really good at this unique niche skill, there could be a huge opportunity for me to play at a very high level. Wow. So you really took this to a whole nother level and really strategized about... yeah. Because I don't know that many young teenagers that would think that far ahead, you know. And they're like, "No, yeah, I want to. I want to be a quarterback." And I, and they just stick it out, even though being a quarterback may not be the best position for them, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the best coaches understand, you know, how can we help and support other players? And and sometimes it comes from the player side. I've also seen sometimes coaches say, "Hey, look, you know, you might be in one position, but we think you'd be better at another." And if the athlete embraces that, accepts it and learns, maybe they get a lot better at it because the coach saw something in them that they, you know, just didn't see, or they had too much of an ego where they didn't want to switch positions. You know, I, for myself saw that I wasn't getting a ton of playing time. I wasn't happy in the position I was in and I wanted to play at a really high level. And in my head, I said, how do I get to play at an extremely high level? And so I thought that through and I figured out, okay, if I got really good at long snapping, I might have an opportunity. Once I decided that, my coaches were very supportive of, okay, yeah, you can focus on that and only do that. And that's what my goal was going forward. Mm. So what was it like making the team at Tulane University? Yeah, you know, it was incredible to get that offer my senior year of high school. I reached out to every single college coach in the country. I cold emailed all of them multiple times, cold called all of them. Wow. And, and all of them told me no or, or didn't respond. I showed up on more campuses than I can count and, and waited for hours until a coach would meet with me for them only to turn me away. And eventually I got that opportunity from Tulane. And I was so incredibly thankful for that and still am. You know, they gave me that shot that no one else would and brought me in. And, you know, from then on out, it was earning my spot again. I think a lot of athletes think that just because they get an opportunity to play in college that they deserve to be there. And that's absolutely not true. You know, yes, you did a good job getting there, but you need to look at it when you walk in, you know, that first day of camp that you were at the bottom of the totem pole again. And how do you earn your spot, earn your playing time on the field? And that's what my focus was. But, you know, it was a lot of work and effort to get that offer from Tulane because, you know, for that one, yes, there were hundreds of no's. Wow. I mean, you really talk about, I always talk about building a resilience muscle. Like you really built that resilience muscle, which is serving you when this is a good transition into your, the businesses that you've built, right? Because it's all about, you know, it's not a no, it's just not now or right. Yeah. You know, learning oh, to be 100%. told no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of my, you know, I, I'm involved in a couple businesses, but my main one is me speaking and doing consulting with companies, events, sports teams all around the world. And, you know, for me, if I contact a thousand people and 985 of them tell me no, it's okay. Cause guess what? Maybe those 15 are going to say yes. And it's a numbers game. Yes. It's about what is the value you're bringing to the table? How are you impacting others? But at the end of the day, you know, 
I get message responses every single day that say no, or take me off your list, or how'd you get my information or whatever. <laughs> and right. it's about just disregarding that and saying that, you know what, look, that's just one no closer to a yes. And that's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. So, so talk about what, what made you want to get into speaking specifically? Cause that's, yeah, that's so, a tough thing for, that's a, it's a tough industry, but it's, there's a, there's a lot of room for a lot of people in that industry at yeah. the same time. But what was it about being on stage that, that drove you? Drives you? In senior year of high school, when I committed to Tulane, I went on Good Morning America. And at the time, I had no interest. I didn't want to do it. And I sat down with a coach, a, a you know, dear friend of mine. And one of the things that he said to me was, look, Aaron, it's your choice. You can do what you want. But if you have the opportunity to go on and use your story and message to help and impact someone else who could be in a similar position, then do it. Go on and, and do everything that you can to do that. And I ended up doing it, you know, the video is still online. I, you know, looking back, I was not great in my opinion, but I was also 17 years old, thrown in the deep end in front of millions of people on live TV. And I learned from that experience. And throughout college, my goal was to play football, be a part of the team and win games. That, that was my goal. But every single time a coach asked me to do an interview or speak at something, I would always say yes, because I thought back to what my coach had said to me in high school of how can I use it to impact others and to make a difference. Right. And so I did that. When I graduated from college, I went to the world of finance as well as started doing some speaking. And in the beginning, it was speaking for free or, or for just a little bit of money and then eventually started to grow and grow. And I eventually left finance as well. But to the point where, you know, now I'm speaking all over the country and the world all the time and, and working with companies long term and, and more consulting as well. But it took so much time to get there. You know, one of the things that that I hear from people who are speakers or want to be speakers all the time is that, you know, they think that they have everything dialed and they're just looking for someone to book them speeches or book them, book them gigs. And that's, that's just not how life works. You know, it's, if you do the work, you do the outreach, you're going to get booked. Yes, I have people who come to me, but if I didn't do any outreach, if I just sat there and waited for them to come to me, I would have a 10th of the speeches that I have every single year because I wouldn't be putting in the time and effort to go find them. Things aren't just handed to you, you know, in that world or in life in any capacity. Right. No, that's right. So why don't you tell the listeners about, because I, I only know the one business that you're yeah. um, involved in, um, yeah. and that is helping people yeah. break into the speaking world. So talk about that and then share, share with your other businesses as well. Yeah. So outside of my business where I'm speaking, doing consulting with companies and, and events on a handful of topics, and, and th those are really focused on overcoming adversity, you know, gratitude-based leadership, diversity, inclusion, and performance-based leadership are my main areas. And we can dive into that later. But outside of me speaking and consulting, doing that, my business partner and I work with people who either are speakers or want to become speakers to grow and develop their business. You know, whether that be from helping them figure out what are the topics they want to focus on, what is the audience they want to focus on, how do they brand and market themselves, how do they do outreach to land gigs, and how do they develop, you know, that entire process. You know, we've learned so much over the years, and I love business. I love entrepreneurship. It's it's an obsession of mine. It's not, it's not a passion. I'm so obsessed with how do I grow, how do I build a profitable business, and most importantly, how do I help others? And with everything we do, it's about helping others. If we can help someone grow their speaking business and they can go out there and help and impact other people, we were a part of that. Because if it wasn't for us, 
maybe they wouldn't be speaking as much or they wouldn't have that developed. They wouldn't understand how to grow and break into that industry. But through working with them, the way I look at it is we're ultimately helping and impacting so many lives because the people that we work with go out and do speeches and it might be to 10 people or a thousand people, but they're making a difference in other people's lives because we were able to help them. Mm, that's amazing. And where do people find out about that program? Yeah. So right now we're actually redoing a bunch of stuff with the website and all of that, but it, previously it's been called the speakeasy program. There are, are some things that, that might be changing with, with names and, and websites in, in, in the future. But if anyone has any questions on that or, or anything with me, you know, my website's aarongolub.com. You can email me at Aaron at aarongolub.com since there are some things that are in flux with the other sites and, and things right now. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I mean, it's good for businesses to kind of reshape and you got to do that every now and then. So yeah, so that's awesome. So what is, what is the best advice you've ever received that has helped you the most to get to where you are today? Honestly, I, I, I strongly believe it's the advice that we talked about a minute ago. That one coach, that one person that told me if I could use that opportunity to help and impact others that I should, because I think that's really shaped who I am and what I do today. If he hadn't said that to me, if I had said no to Good Morning America, who knows if I'd be speaking and doing what I do today. And and I, I strongly believe that that was the best advice, if not one of the best advice I've ever been given. And it's it's been able to transform my life and be able to help so many other people because of it. Mm. I don't know who would say no to Good Morning America. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I get that now. Looking back on it, my thought process was I want to play football and I want to be on the team because I'm a good athlete. The 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 biggest fear in my mind through doing news and, and going on Good Morning America at the time was that people would perceive it as I was a charity case. People would perceive uh, it as, oh, they're bringing him in to as a feel-good story to help him out, whatever. And I didn't want people to think that. I wanted people to realize that I made it there because I'm one of the best long snappers in the country. And, you know, it was just about positioning. You know, how, what do I say when I'm on there? How do I, you know, work through it, understanding that I did make it because I was one of the best in the country. It wasn't a feel-good story. Uh, I just, at the time, at 17 years old, had this idea that if I did that stuff, people would think it was. I totally respect that. And I can completely understand why you would think that. And, and so thank you for your honesty about that, because that's, I think that's, um, as a 17 year old, the fact that you even thought that way is really incredible. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That makes sense for sure. Cause right. Nobody wants to feel that way at all. No, no, you know, you no, don't want your not. hard work to be diminished. And of course, you know, not. I realized eventually that it wasn't that I was truly helping others by going on that. But in the beginning, my thought was, I don't want people to think differently because of it. And I'm sure there were a handful of people who thought that, but 99% of people didn't think that. And, and you know, that 1%, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. Well, and quite frankly, a university like Tulane, it's the football program is, is kind of like a business, right? Yeah. I mean, they're there, they make money for the university. They're there to win. They want to win games. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that, that they would do that anyway. And I can also understand how the cynicism that exists in so many people would, would go there immediately. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, I mean, most people wouldn't think that, but, but you're going to have the few that would, but uh, yeah. wow. 
Well, this has been such an ama- amazing talk, Erin, and I'm so grateful again that you came on and shared your story because I know it's going to inspire so many people. What else would you like to share with the audience before we yeah. conclude? Yeah, look, I think no matter the adversity, the challenges that you're facing, understand that if you put in the time and effort, you work hard and you don't worry about others' opinions, that you can overcome it. And whether that's you want to grow a business, you want to get into speaking, you want to build better relationships, you want to get in better shape, it doesn't matter what it is, but you, know, you can focus on that. And no matter what the challenge you're, you're going through, you know, it's there for a period in time. But if you can look at it with a side of gratitude, like I'm able to do with my vision, then, you know, I think your life ultimately gets better. Mm, without question, because gratitude will do that. And, and I always say, you know, things can always be worse, right? Yeah. You know, no, no matter what your situation. Um, so thank you so much. I'm grateful for you, Aaron, and for you spreading your thank message. You. And I Likewise. just wish you continued success. You're only 26 years old. <laughs> You've got so much time ahead of you. So yeah. good luck to you in the future. And thank you so much for being a guest yeah. today. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all the listeners. Take care. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.